the Sports Talk with Devin Wade recap. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. What we think so far. Lakers, were they oversold? Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade briefcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Briefcast 53 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I'm going to come to you primarily solo, uh, but this time out, one of the special teams unit members joins us. My man, Eddie Robinson, former NFL linebacker. We'll talk about the Oilers, the Texans. We will talk about, we will really get into the Texans loss and compare that to the Houston Oilers loss to the Buffalo Bills. We'll talk a little bit about the national championship, a whole lot of Astros talk and some NFL playoffs. That's coming up and we have a ton of other things coming up, including headlines. In addition to that, we have We The People where I hear from you guys, the We The People segment, and we will get into that. I will defend the Houston Astros. I will be their defense lawyer, and I will tell you why, although it was wrong, it's not the worst thing ever. We'll get into that. In addition to that, we will have a Lamont Award. So that's coming up as well. want to remind you guys, you can go to wadeswordproductions.com for all things Devin Wade, whether it's the Friday Express, Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, and uh, you can subscribe to the uh, emails uh, that I send out periodically to keep you abreast of all the things that we are doing uh, with uh, the Wadesworth Productions brand and Sports Talk with Devin Wade and the podcast and all of those fun things. So that's coming up. And also want to remind you guys, If you have music that you want to be played on this podcast, if it's radio edit, send it to music at wadeswordproductions.com, giving us permission to use it. And we will play a segment at the halfway point and the, uh, an entire track, an extended portion of a mix at the end of the podcast. So all that's going on. And of course you can reach me on social media at wadesword on Twitter. That's W A D E S W O R D. And, of course, you can hit me uh, on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. So all of those ways are ways you can get in touch with me. So with that, let's get into some headlines. In headlines, a lot of things going on in and around the game of football, not the least of which is uh, the naming of some Hall of Famers. I want to send a big TSU proud shout-out posthumously to Winston Hill, who made it to the Hall of Fame. He played at Texas Southern from 1959 to 1962 on the offensive and defensive line. He was a three-time All-Swag selection and All-American. He played for the New York Jets, had a great NFL career, a Hall of Fame career, and he made it. A number of people made it, uh, and they're doing this uh, this unveiling. I guess they got all of them out, but uh, one of the snubs was Drew Pearson. Drew Pearson did not make it, and uh, Bill Coward did? <laughs> what, what is that about? Harold Carmichael. No knock on Harold My- Carmichael, but if you had the name of receiver from that era, uh, and, and really an all-decade wide receiver in Drew Pearson, he gets the nod over Harold Carmichael. I, I don't know what they're doing. I know they're doing this 100-year NFL thing, so they it's really unconventional. I did see Jimmy Johnson get notified, and I'm telling you, even though I don't like the Cowboys – 
He's a Port Arthur native, so that's in the Golden Triangle here in Texas. He, it's just the way he responded and how much, how proud and how filled with joy he was for getting in. Although most of his work was done, well, I mean, both college and the pro level. He didn't coach a long, long time in the NFL, but he had a prolific career and turned those Dallas Cowboys around. And that's quote unquote America's team. So he's in Bill Cowboy. I don't, I don't get that. And, and some of the other people, quite honestly, I don't, I don't, they got in over Drew Pearson. Now, again, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I know how big this guy, he was on the other end of the Hail Mary, the first Hail Mary. Not the first, because, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's spiritual. But I'm saying, in, as it pertains to football, the first Hail Mary, he was on the receiving end of that. He played for some tremendous Dallas Cowboy teams with Roger Staubach. He was the guy. He was the dude. He's not in. That's kind of a shocker. Uh, so, But a number of other guys are in, including Alex Karras, who actually was banned at one point. Uh, and I, you, you, know, you know how you know him? That was Webster's daddy. <laughs> now, that, that reference is even dated. I don't know how long ago he stopped playing pro football. It had to be in the early 70s, I would imagine, that, that he stopped. I don't remember him in the mid to late 70s. So it had to be the early 70s at least when he stopped playing, but you know him from being Webster's dad. And if you don't know that, then you're probably under 30 and you don't know. Duke Slater has been elected African-American player. He is the fourth Iowa Hawkeye to reach the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And he played in uh, 1927 and 1929. He was the only African-American allowed to play in the NFL. Played 16 minutes in nine. Wait a minute. He played. Well, let me get this right. He played 60 minutes. In 90 of 99 career games. Wow. Never heard of him before. He, he earned his uh, place into the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. So that is absolutely huge. That's a big, big deal. So that's a really big deal. And congratulations to him. And, that, I mean, I want to point that out. Of course, it's actually it's Martin Luther King's uh, birthday today. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday today. Happy birthday, MLG. Happy, no, I'll spare you, but happy birthday to him. And I'll tell you what, man, uh, yeah, some weird things going on with this Hall of Fame deal, but, you know, it is what it is. But Drew Pearson, uh, definitely, uh, and Cliff Branch is another guy. Steve Sable got in. I thought that was a good selection. He, he and his father, Ed, really documented the, the NFL in a way that I wish the NBA would have been able to. But to have footage of every single player to ever play in the NFL is huge. It, it gives you a visual history of this game since the NFL started. And, and some of the videos predate the NFL. But this guy in NFL Films has been, you can't quantify how huge that's been for the NFL. So congratulations, posthumously, posthumously for him, he passed away. A few years ago, and his dad passed away as well. So it's a tough one, but, I, you know, uh, he deserved to be in the NFL and just can't say enough. Could you imagine having real, actual, quality footage of Wilt Chamberlain with uh, 100-point game? Can you imagine seeing what that would have looked like? I mean, that would have been amazing. So, But we won't get an opportunity to see that. They didn't have anything in place to document all this. There's so many guys I wish I could see uh, up close well, through video of that time and really kind of be able to look at game film. And I know starting in the 70s, I think some of the earliest things that I remember, I mean, the game in the century in 68, that was college. 
but the NBA doesn't have anything like NBA films, and and I think for that reason, it really, I mean, they've caught up since, but man, that really has made a difference in how we view the history the living history of the NFL. Uh, also in NFL news, Luke Keekley, the Carolina Panthers linebacker, he shuts it down at the age of 28. In a way, it's not a huge surprise. He's one of those guys who's had a lot of head injuries, a lot of head trauma, a lot of concussions, and he shuts it down. But look at this list of guys who are getting out. When you talk about the game sort of evolving because of safety issues and health issues, Luke Keekley retires at 28. Andrew Luck retires at 29. Rob Gronkowski retires at 29. Patrick Willis retires at 30. Calvin Johnson retired at 30. So, man, it's man, it's it's alarming. And maybe we will look at the we'll sort of look at this era as the beginning of the new expectations for longevity in the NFL. But on the other end, you can have Frank Gore's play forever and ever and ever. You have uh, Larry Fitzgerald announced today he's coming back for his 17th season. So that's going on. And so a lot going on in the NFL. In the NBA, the Pelicans. Zion Williamson will play January 22nd versus the Spurs, and there will be all sorts of unnecessary hype around that although that's a he's a physical specimen he's a he's a beast man and and let's see how his game really translates in the NBA I suspect he'll do quite well when he's able to stay healthy so we'll be on the lookout for that and this is not really sports related because I don't consider this a true sport although takes some athleticism to make this happen rocky johnson father of the rock dies at age 75 he's a pro wrestler I have to say, I don't remember him. I know that he and Teddy Atlas won a, uh, Tony Atlas won a world wrestling title. And I know wrestling people like hemming and hawing that I don't know that, but I'm sorry. This not, look, once uh, Paul Bosch shut it down, I, I didn't go to WWE, uh, uh, you know, uh, WWF first, right? It was WWF. I didn't go to WWF for very long. I was, you know, during that time, I was big in the to uh, Houston wrestling and, you know, the Junkyard Dog and Wahoo McDaniel and Harley Race and, yeah, man, uh, Jose Lothario and who else? Who can I think of? Kamala was my guy. JYD was my guy. So there were some guys. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. All of that stuff was going on. So that, those are some of the things that's happening in, uh, in headlines. And we'll keep an eye out for other things that we come to you more frequently in the coming uh, this coming year. We anticipate that. So with that, let's get into a segment that we call We the People. The We the People segment is when I come to you guys with poll questions and uh, get your general opinions off of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade sports line. Want to remind you guys, you can call the Sports Talk with Devin Wade sports line 24 hours a day, anytime, anywhere. Leave a message telling me what you think about whatever. It doesn't matter the sport. It doesn't matter the player. It doesn't matter any of that. Just call us. Give us your take with your opinion on the show. Whatever's on your mind, 832 941 six six one four 
832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. And you can uh, leave your message. Also, again, on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page, I posed a question. And since we are Houston-centric, I will start with the Houston Texans. I asked folks, who is the blame for the loss to the Kansas City Chiefs for the Houston Texans? Who do you blame? Is it Bill O'Brien? Is it Romeo Cornell? Are the Chiefs just better or other? Well, 63% of you guys said it was Bill O'Brien. He's gotten a lot of backlash. Been glad to hear it, too, from my perspective. I think he is clearly the problem. I stated that on the last podcast. I'll say it again and again and again. It's his indecision and his lack of ability to step up to big-time situations. He's just not able to do it. He didn't do it versus the Chiefs on Sunday, and 63% of you guys agree. Other, other could be the owner. It could be... I don't know who who do you want to, I guess the GM, which is kind of Bill O'Brien. Other was 19%. Romeo Cornell got the blame from 14% of you guys. And only three, 4% of you guys said that uh, the Chiefs were just better. I, I think in reality, had they not gotten off to a 24 nothing lead, I think at that point you say, well, the Chiefs are just better. But because the fact that they had the 24-point lead, it really uh, irked people. It looked like, like the Chiefs were not a better team, but they clearly were a better team. Melissa said head coach, uh, defensive coach, offensive coach, special teams coach. Lester said J.J. I don't know how J.J. Watt takes the blame for that. He wasn't even supposed to be back. He was back. No matter what he did, he came back. Uh, let's see. Uh, Charles Bishop said, my boy Charles Bishop from uh, KTSU's broadcast of Texas Southern Tiger football. He says uh, they took their foot off the gas on fourth and one. Uh, J.M. Keith says other equaling the team owner. The coaches are taking directives from the franchise owner or owners who obviously are not interested in championships. The same attitude applies to the Rockets. I think the Rockets are a little bit different. I think the Rockets go for it. I just think they hitch their wagon to a guy that is hard to play with for other big-time players, and I think it'll be difficult for them to win a championship with James Harden, but you never know. You never know. But I don't think it's from a lack of trying. They brought in uh, Russell Westbrook, so they that's what I mean, they're trying. Just hadn't worked out yet. Dave Osby says, hey, when you uh, try trick plays, they got to work, in all caps. They got to work. Daryl, my man Daryl Irvin, head coach, GM, and offensive coordinator are to blame. So those are some of the comments from the first question. The second question, uh, it was about the Astros. Are the Astros right to fire Jeff Luno and A.J. Hinch? And I got your feedback on that. And the vote went like this. 72% of you guys said, yeah, got to go. Got to, got to (laughs) go. That was enough to get fired. And 28% of you guys said it was too harsh. I would say for my part, I think they were too harsh. I would have brought them back. One or both I would have brought back, especially after we sort of get into some of the facts of the case. I'll, I'll sort of advocate for the lack of less for the lack of severity of the infractions so and i know that sounds crazy but let me elaborate on that wonder webster says jim crane don't play jim keeps says yeah bro he has sent a message that in no form or fashion did he co-sign that chiggity <laughs> so i don't guess he did jerry tillman said jt tillman 
He says, um, the black manager was against all that technology and all he wanted to do was keep it old school. But general manager Jeff Luno and the Astros Hinch wanted to go technology cheating. Hashtag, uh, hashtag cheating. Hashtag reap with you. So um, I think they were referring to Dave Roberts. This was something that Ralph said on his show. Ralph Cooper, co-host of KTSU Sports Talk, said on his show. Uh, I disagree. I mean, he was an analytics guy, and let's not forget there's a lot of suspicion over the last has, – has been a lot of suspicion or maybe quiet, muted suspicion that the Dodgers are not on the up and up. as like sort of guys who are sort of middle of the pack have gone to L.A. and become the greatest players ever. They've had career years for themselves and gotten to the, all these World Series. And so I don't feel sorry for them, and I'll – again, I'll explain – in just a little bit but first things first let's take some phone calls let's see who called us at the 832-941-6614 number the sports talk with devin wade sports line hi devin this is melissa and i'm watching the texans game and it's not even halftime yet and i cannot believe what my eyes are seeing i don't understand how you allow three touchdowns in less than three minutes and potentially a fourth touchdown now before the second half of the game you can't take your foot off the gas, and you have to keep the pressure on all the way until the end of the game. Anywho, we will see how the second half goes. Spoiler alert, it doesn't go so well. <laughs> I mean, you know, you hear the frustration, and you know what's coming. And you know what? I want to say this. I'm so glad that she called in real time. Uh, she called a couple of times. So let's hear uh, exactly what she said the next time she called. Hi, Devin. It's Melissa again. The other comment that I wanted to make is, are the commentators for Kansas City? Because, I don't know, just kind of seems like that's who they are rooting for as they're calling the game. Anyway, just an observation I wanted to make. I see now it is halftime, and hopefully the Texans can come back and do something. Anyway. If you follow Twitter at all, you know that the commentators, national commentators, catch grief all the time, one way or another, whether it's Booger McFarlane or Al Michaels or Chris Collinsworth. They all get it. Oh, Joe Buck gets it bad. Troy Aikman gets it bad. I think, you know, they're front runners. They're going to run with who's hot. That's who they're going to uh, talk up. And that, I mean, and they're going to follow their storylines. And, and like they did last week, when J.J. Watt did anything, they act like he did everything when it was the Deshaun Watson show. And I commented on that on Twitter. Um, I think I talked about that on the podcast as well, but I, I certainly elaborated on that on Twitter. Uh, so, you know, we all hate commentators, but we like them. We like some of them sometimes. I guess we like them when we're winning. Or don't notice them when we're winning. If they if we're losing and they're talking up the other guy, it certainly feels personal to this market. Let's see what else she has. Hi, Devin. It's Melissa. Um, I'm calling after the game has been over and I've been able to think a little bit about the game. I, I have no words. I do not understand how you blow a lead like that. And then the team is just as bad, if not worse, than the Oilers versus the Bills game back in 93. That's all I was thinking of as I was watching what I was watching before my very eyes. So how in the world do the Texans even come back from this? So how do you regroup and whatever for next year? You want the fans to have faith in you, which I'm still a Texan fan, but still, oh my goodness, when is it going to get better? Man, that was a great sequence of calls. It's almost like watching a horror movie and you're yelling at the screen, don't go in there, don't go in there. 
because you know what's going to happen. And that's how I sort of felt with this sequence of calls when I went back to the sports line to, and uh, we checked the line. And sort of that sequence, you knew what was going to happen, and yet – it happened, and you hear the frustration. That was great. And anybody else, I encourage you to do that. If you want to comment on a sporting event in real time, hey, man, that is a great way to do it. Thanks so much, Melissa. Let's see who else called. Good morning, Devin and crew. Uh, this is Dave Shepard. I just want to say, man, my heart goes out to the Houston, Texas fans, man. It's just <laughs> it's almost just like a dark cloud is just over the city now. First, the Houston Texans, I mean, it was almost like a phone call was made once they went up 24 nothing, and it was a phone call made to say, okay, let's shut this down and let Kansas City go on a win. How do you let a tight end? You know what Mahomes was going to do. You know he didn't have any other choice. They took Hill out of the game. That one hit had him you know, kind of days most of the day. Then you look at the Houston Astros and the one championship they win, and it's like, you know, they cheated, you know, and I just feel like the Houston, Texas fans deserve better. You know, the, uh, the Texans, they have a packed house every game, even when they weren't even doing that well. The house still remained packed. You have the Astros, you know, great city fan support. And then they get this. So, you know, that's my take on everything. Um, congratulations to LSU. You know, they showed that they had the best team all this season. And uh, that's just the way I'm seeing things right now. Want to thank our guy Dave for checking in. We certainly appreciate that. And you know, I mean, great takes about uh, both Melissa and Dave. Want to encourage you guys to call eight three two nine four one six six one four and twenty four hours a day. Leave your message, whatever your take is. I certainly would like to hear it. So uh, I want to uh, just get into something that he said. He talked about how dark it was for the uh, Houston fans this week. I think we've had this pretty bad. Pretty bad. Maybe not the worst. Maybe not the worst. I mean, the look, Fire Slammer Jam in 83 was devastating for the city. And Oilers in 78, 79, it was devastating. I think in 81 and 86 with the Rockets, it was devastating. Losing to the Jazz in 96, that was devastating. Again, the expectations for the the Texans was something, but the taint of the Houston Astros title win in 2017, that's a big, big blow. And I know it hits people and really, I mean, I'm talking about really demoralizes people, but this is where I will do something that I want to do. I want to defend the Houston Astros. Yes, that's right. I am taking up the cause of the Houston Astros. And let me start by saying this first and foremost. I am not. I am not. And I'm saying this in all caps. I am not defending cheating. I am not defending what they did. But what I do want to do is put this in perspective. And there's several reasons why. Now, we can start by looking over the commissioner's report. I highlighted some very important things because I know people talk a lot about what happened, but not a lot of people took time to read the entire report. And, and I pulled the, the entire report. I just took out some parts that I deemed relevant. So let's start with the case against the Astros. Let's start there. 
Now, this is directly from the commissioner's report. Quote, on November 12th, 2019, former Houston Astros player Mike Fires publicly alleged in an article published by The Athletic that the Astros had engaged in sign-stealing methods in 2017 that violated Major League Baseball's rules. At the onset, I can also say that our investigation revealed absolutely no evidence that Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, was aware of any conduct described in this report. Crane is extraordinarily troubled and upset by the conduct of members of his organization, fully supported my investigation, and provided unfettered access to any and all information requested. Unquote. So you see there, he helped me. He says, hey, we're open book. Let's get in here and find what we find. Quote, in August 2017, the Boston Red Sox were caught transmitting sign information from their replay review room to individuals in the dugout wearing smartwatches. The incident received significant media attention, and I issued a press release on September 15th, 2017, announcing the fine of the Red Sox and the New York Yankees for improperly using the replay review phone that stated in relevant part at the outset. It is important to understand that the attempt to decode signs being used by the opposing catcher is not a violation of any Major League Baseball rule or regulation. Major League Baseball regulations do, however, prohibit the use of electronic equipment during games and state that no such equipment may be used for the purpose of stealing signs or conveying information designed to give a club an advantage. Despite this clear regulation, the prevalence of technology, especially technology used in the replay process, has made it increasingly difficult to monitor appropriate and inappropriate uses of electronic equipment. Based on the investigation of my office, I have nonetheless concluded that during the 2017 season, the Boston Red Sox violated the regulation quoted above, sending electronic communications from their video replay room to an athletic trainer in the dugout, end quote. So now, this is from the release. It says, at the outset, it's important to understand that the attempt to decode signs being used by opposing catcher is not a violation. So you can, you can steal signs. They're saying that that stealing signs is a part of the game. Okay, this is the issue, the technological part. It's increasingly difficult for Major League Baseball to keep up with technology. How many different ways can they figure out? I mean, is there software to decode sort of their sign, their, their language, how they, how they do things, how they communicate from pitcher to catcher, catcher to pitcher? This is the key issue of why it was so important to Major League Baseball to send a signal to the entire Major League Baseball, all, all 30 Major League Baseball teams through the punishment of the Houston Astros and coming up here soon, the Boston Red Sox. Now, let me continue. Following the issuance of the press release announcing the results of the Red Sox investigation, I issued a memorandum that same day to all clubs reiterating the rules regarding the use of electronic equipment to steal signs, putting all clubs on notice that future violations would be taken extremely serious by my office. I specifically stated in the memorandum that the general manager and field manager of the clubs will be held accountable for any violations of the rules in the future. 
Thus, all clubs were put on notice as of September 15, 2017, that any use of electronic equipment to steal signs will be dealt with more severely by my office, end quote. So now he's saying, okay, then this is really essentially why A.J. Hinch and Jeff Luno were disciplined the way they were. And then, of course, Jim Crane had no stomach for it, and he fired him. So let's continue. Notwithstanding the publicity surrounding the Red Sox incident and the September 15th memorandum that I sent all clubs, the Astros continue to both utilize the replay review room and the monitor located next to the dugout to decode signs for the remainder of the regular season and throughout the postseason. End quote. Let me get my end quotes in it. So that's pretty significant. So they're saying that in 2017, they did use it throughout the 2017 playoffs. So, but I have a response to that in defense. So, so right now I'm reading you the case. I will defend or, or let's see, put it in proper perspective. I defend is, is a strong word because Several wrongs don't make a right, but I will put this in its appropriate perspective, I think. Now, quote, at some point during the 2018 season, the Astros stopped using the replay review room to decode signs because the players no longer believed it was effective. The investigation did not reveal any attempt by the Astros to utilize electronic equipment to decode or transmit signs in the 2018 postseason. The investigation revealed no violations of the policy by the Astros in the 2019 season or 2019 postseason, period. So the, the Astros come to within a couple of innings of being the world champs again in 2019. And the investigation revealed no violations in the 2019 regular season or the 2019 postseason in which, again, they were a couple moves. If you bring in Gary Cole, I don't know, you you may win again. But uh, the pitching didn't hold up, and hence uh, the Astros lost. But they lost all four games, and that's significant. They lost all four games at home, and they won three games on the road where they could not have sort of made this sort of thing possible. So, But, but we'll get more to into that so let's let's get in let's further let's kind of move forward here in the report quote regardless of the level of luno's actual knowledge the astros violations of the rules in 2017 and 2018 is attributed in my view to a failure by the leaders of the baseball operations department and the field manager to adequately manage the employees under their supervision to establish a culture in which adherence to the rules is ingrained in the fabric of the organization and to stop bad behavior as soon as it occurred so Luno, he he did he knew about it, and I didn't mention this, but he there was emailed evidence, even though he says he didn't know, and he didn't know about the trash can part, whatever, whatever. He was still be held accountable by Major League Baseball. Here's another important part of this quote: Some Astro players told my investigators that they did not believe sign stealing scheme was effective, and it was more distracting than useful to hitters. End quote. Let me read that again. Quote: Some Astro players told my investigators that they did not believe the sign stealing scheme was effective, and it was more distracting than useful to hitters. End quote. So they're saying that some people are like, no, man, this doesn't help me. So to understand what was done, you have to look at this situation. So someone, the, the camera, 
take the signs. Somebody over the course of the first couple of innings decoded their sequence of signs. Once they saw those signs in the dugout on the monitor or just outside the dugout on a monitor, they relayed that information to the batter in a split second. And the batter at that point had to adjust accordingly if they could. Then that'll go to a point that I'll make a little bit later on. Okay, let's go back to the report. Quote, I am neither in a position to evaluate whether the scheme helped the Astros hitters, who were unquestionably a very talented group, nor whether it helped the Astros win any games. There are so many factors that impact the outcome of games that addressing the issue would require rank speculation. End quote. He's saying, the commissioner is saying, there's so many factors in the outcome of games that saying that this was a sole determinant of who won and who lost that will require rank speculation. So when these fans and these media people are running rampant all over the country talking about, oh, yeah, this is why they won. Again, the commissioner's own report says there are so many factors that impact the outcome of games that addressing the issue will require rank speculation. But, quote, oh, here, let's go back to the quotes. Quote. But for the purposes of my decision, regardless of whether the scheme was effective or not, it violated the rules and, at a minimum, created the appearance of unfairness. And for that, it necessitates severe discipline. So that's, uh, end quote, that's sort of where we are with the pertinent part. Then it goes on to talk about the punishment, talks about Luna in the front office and how what a scumbag he is. Uh, and that's more about culture and how he treats people and how he'll do anything to win whatever whatever so let's get to the defense of the astros now the first thing i want to address in defending or putting this in perspective and again i am not defending cheating i'm not i'm because i've been hard on the new england patriots and I was hard on the steroid guys a little bit. My position has sort of softened over the years. Although I was, I said all along, I would have put Barry Bonds in the in the uh, Hall of Fame because of how good he was before the steroid scandal. But we'll get to Barry Bonds. That'll come up a little bit later on. But first and foremost, baseball is. Uh, this was baseball's Geneva Convention, sort of the rules of war. Okay, the rules of of how we will cheat. Or how we will conduct ourselves in war any, almost anything goes except chemical warfare other rules like injured people you can't shoot them down or what there are a lot of rules to war and you say well there shouldn't be any rules to war war is war anything goes no the geneva convention has established that there are rules to war this is baseball's geneva convention they're trying to say okay you can steal signs on your own i mean it's almost like a cop at the traffic light if you if a cop is parked at the light, he can get you. But when they put those cameras at those lights, people went crazy. I was one of them. I couldn't stand that. And this is how I feel about them. Okay, if you if a cop is sitting at the light and you catch me running the light, you got me. Don't catch me with some elect electronic eye in the sky. So I get what they're doing. They're trying to get this thing under wraps. And I think it freaks baseball out because they cannot control it if they wanted to and this thing is really getting out of hand so this is what a lot of this is about let's not confuse this for the 1919 uh, chicago white sox the, you know where they actually threw the world series for money that's like the worst and gambling on baseball and i'm sorry kevin allen 
Pete Rose, that situation is different. This is saying, hey, we want rules of war. This is our Geneva Convention and they're trying to get a grasp on what's going on with technology. The next thing I want to bring up is that baseball has already had a cheating culture from the very beginning of time. Whether it, it was uh, spitballs, whether it's stealing signs, whether it's cork bats, whether it's uh, altering the, the baseball, whether it's steroids, amphetamines, I mean, whatever, caffeine, whatever, whatever they have used through the years to cheat this is just another iteration of trying to get an unfair advantage so the astros are not the worst they're just the latest and let me put this in perspective too look this team is not the only team doing this but they don't want to hear any noise from anybody else so they're going to make it an example of the first two teams and i will say that if alex cora had not gone from the astros to boston in 2018 and won the world series I will, would say that Boston would not be caught up in this, although they were the first to get caught up with an infraction before Cora got there in 2017. So, again, the Astros are not the worst thing ever, so let's not act like that. And I'm saying all of this because we're not giving away, we're not giving back any titles. I'm not going to undo the parade. You keep your rings. You walk with your head held high, your chin out, and know that, okay, you're still world champion. You cut some corners and you went over the line clearly you were wrong but you still look okay so this brings me to another point knowing you can know something is coming and doing is a different thing to know something to know, you can tell me look 99 of us you can tell us a fastball is coming we won't be able to touch it it's about movement placement inside outside whatever and i don't think you can even even with their technology of cheating you can determine placement of the ball where it's going to be inside outside yeah maybe you can i don't i don't know that's inside baseball stuff but i would imagine just knowing well i do know this knowing is not doing so for all those folks who defended barry bonds and mark mcguire back in the day in the steroid era saying well he still had to hit the ball because remember i had a sports talk show back then and I, I got those phone calls he still had to do it you can say what you want he might have took steroids but he still had to hit the ball over the fence well, the Astros can know off-speed pitch is coming, and they can sit on that, but getting it out of the ballpark or hitting it for extra bases, that's a whole different thing. So knowing th something is different from being able to do something. Now, the next thing I want to talk about, you can't determine how much it ha helped the Astros. Now, if you look at the postseason of 2017, they won all the games versus the Yankees at home. But in game uh, in the first couple of games, they only scored two runs in game one and game two to win the game. So if they had this super-duper advantage, you would think that they would have exploded for many, many more runs. But they scored two runs in games one and game two. And in the same season, 2017, when they won the World Series, they won game one in Los Angeles, and they won game seven in Los Angeles. They couldn't have done it. They could not have done the same scheme. They would not have had access. They could not have done this on the road. Now, that's my determinant. If it's something different, then clear it up for me. But I don't think that they were able to do this on the road. I don't think that they had the infrastructure in place to make this happen. Maybe they did. And if they did, that does change some things a little bit. But even so, I cannot imagine they would have been able to execute this on the road. If I'm wrong, clarify that to me. I've heard nothing about their ability to do this on the road. No banging con uh, trash cans 
on the road. And again, let me say this. There's no evidence that the Astros participated in a, in anything illegal in 2019 in the regular season or the postseason, and they still came within a few innings of winning the World Series. Another thing I want to bring in about this is you still have to have pitching. No matter how, I mean, it's not like they were winning games 20 to 18. That wasn't the deal. This was also about having Justin Verlander, having quality pitching up and down, Dallas Keuchel. This is about all of the quality pitching that you got Joe Morton, um, you know, all of the got not Joe Morton, Morton, Charlie Morton, Charlie Morton, who's in Tampa Bay now. But you still had to have guys that could throw the baseball. You still had to have guys that could keep the ball in the ballpark for your defense. So, you, I mean, that plays a significant role. And nothing, there was nothing there, no way for the pitchers to cheat. Okay, so they still have to go out and execute themselves. So, again, these are the things that, that play into less sort of how, how we quantify how bad this is. It's bad. No question about it, it's bad, but it's not the worst thing. It's not the worst thing. It's not the worst thing that ever happened in baseball. It's just not. I mean, it's among some of the worst things. But, again, this is a new day. People are trying to handle and get a grip on how you can use technology for unfair advantages. It's happening in the NFL as well. It's happening everywhere. And, and look, and somebody brought up the fact that this is an antiquated system anyway that you're sitting there throwing out signs. You don't have a, another way. Maybe maybe baseball needs to go to the NFL quarterback uh, situation where the coach and the quarterback, they communicate with each other through an earpiece. Maybe baseball needs to institute like something like that where the pitcher and catcher can communicate with one another through an earpiece. So you don't even have a, a, a code to decipher. This is something that a catcher or maybe a, a manager can communicate directly to the pitcher himself. So you don't have to go through all this. So maybe maybe baseball can go in that direction. But again, I'm, I'm not defending the Astros, but it's not the same as throwing the World Series. It's just not. So I want to put all of these things in perspective. So, you know, I read the report. To me, it's bad, but we shouldn't forfeit the champ. We as a city shouldn't feel uh, too too bad about this of course baseball will make try to make you feel bad but look the dodgers and the sanctimonious dodgers oh well you know they can say what they want to say but this is a team that you hear okay some, some mediocre middle of the pack guys go to la and all of a sudden they're felt they are having career best years they're sort of evolving in the players that nobody thought they would be so there is it's some smoke there and we don't know how many teams were caught up we only know about the Astros because one guy one guy turned state's evidence and by the way and Eddie Robinson and I who you will hear from uh, in just a few moments we got into a discussion and I'm telling you man you talk about a snitch and a, a, a lowdown kind of guy in, in this situation I'm not saying he's a bad human being but what he did here was a sucker move big time because okay if you saw something and you didn't stop it while you were there you benefited you got the contract with the Oakland A's because of your time in Houston. You have a World Series ring. You celebrated. You popped them bottles. You popped those champagne bottles. You celebrated and did, got all your postseason bonuses, and now you want to you wanna rat them out like that? I mean, that's not the move. Now, even if you go and handle this a whole different way, 
like Jessica Mendoza said, tell your teammates. Make sure that you defend yourself against that. Or, and even if you want to uh, secretly go to Major League Baseball, but you, you're gonna go to the, you're gonna, you're gonna do that. You're gonna turn this. And then I know that uh, Altuve uh, video is out today, and I don't, I don't know what to say about that. I, I will reserve comments on, uh, on that. But, but all in all, I'm just saying this. What the Astros did was bad. It was not a good look. It really wasn't, but it's not the worst thing ever. And I don't think we should look at it as the worst thing ever. Would I have fired A.J. Hinch and Jeff Luno? I know. I don't know. I wouldn't have. I would have went to New Orleans Saints on them. And, by the way, when all of you guys uh, – how many? if you are a Patriots fan, you can't say anything to me about this. Okay, we've been knowing for a long time, Deflate Gate, Spy Gate, all of that stuff that they do. They they're on the cutting edge. They cross line all the time, and you know, performance enhancing drugs across the board. Can't even watch cycling or track and field because you think every single person is cheating. I don't want to see that. I really don't like to have cheating in any sports, and, and I really think that it has diminished my interest in track and field. I mean, I never did really have a, a vested interest in cycling, but I, won't, I don't want to. Everybody, all the champions except Greg LeMond is uh, is clean. So, so you know, you know what I mean? I mean, it's dirty. It, it, Greg LeMond was the only one that was clean. So, as far as I know, it's a bad look, but let's not jump off a building behind this because, you know, we can still be proud of that team. Because you can know things and maybe take advantage of some things, but you still had to go out there and get it. And the Astros went out there and got it. They were clean in 2019 by all accounts. By the and and this is another way you can know that they were really probably clean because a uh, clean of electronic cheating. Let's say that. I don't know what other ways you can try to get an edge, but of electronic cheating, they were cleared by Major League Baseball. You will never know how many other teams were doing it, but they only got caught because somebody turned them in. Other than that, I mean, and, and I went. I was going to say they gave the players immunity, so they were immune, and they could say from punishment, and so they could speak freely and say everything that really happened because they wanted the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, and we won't punish you. If we find out you're lying, that's a different issue, and that's why Beltran is gonna well got fired from the Mets. And uh, probably Cora from uh, the Boston Red Sox. So, with that being said, give me your thoughts on all of that. 832 941 6614. That's 832 941 6614. Right now, I'm going to take a time out here from our sponsor. Come back on the other side with Eddie Robinson and the Lamont Award. And before I let go, it's Briefcast 53, Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on ktsuradio.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, radio.com, or wherever you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. 
Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Welcome back to Briefcast 53 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. And our guy from the special teams unit, former NFL linebacker Eddie Robinson, uh, is on the line with us. Uh, man, let, let me say, man, it was a, a crazy weekend in the NFL this weekend. And I know a lot of people are making comparisons to uh, the Texans collapse, to uh, the Houston Oilers collapse in 93, uh, to the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. You were there. Right, you were on. You, well, you you were you were there, right? You were on the team, right? On the on the Buffalo Bill team, or did you come yeah, here next that year? Was, that, no, that was my rookie year. That was my my very first playoff game. So that was that was so, that was torture. That was a long day, and uh, you know, but it happens. Well, no, it doesn't happen. But <laughs> it only happened once, like that. But uh, you know, do you did you did you feel the similarities, or you just kind of knew? Because my, here's my contention, and this is what I've said all along: this is not the same thing. You're talking about an oil team that really was Super Bowl contenders. You're talking about a team that had nine Pro Bowlers on it. You had three future Hall of Famers on that team. That was a legitimate team. Nobody expected the Texans to re- – I mean, they were 10-point underdogs going into Kansas City, and they would have been 20-point underdogs uh, had they gone anywhere else. Maybe they're a slight favorite to Tennessee, but I don't even think they would have been a favorite at home versus Tennessee. So I don't think you can compare the two because the expectations – for the Texans weren't that high. For the Oilers, who had just beaten Buffalo the week before, no Jim Kelly, no Kenneth Davis, you, you say, okay, we got this. We we can handle Pittsburgh. They lost you guys lost close to Pittsburgh in the second game, but you were the hottest team in football down the stretch. What's your take on that? Because I just think differently that there was yeah, no real I, I, I probably would agree with you. I mean, that, that Oilers team had tons of talent. So it seemed like it, it was a team that it just couldn't win the playoffs. That was the bottom line. Even even going down the stretch um, that year, 92 and 93, the team did great both times and had a, a road loss and then a home playoff loss to uh, Kansas City and, and Joe Montana, who came out the grave. But, yeah, the, the Texans was totally different because, to me, they were the underdog. And I'm I'm sitting there watching the game and uh, actually with my son and my mom, and I'm I'm just like, ah, the, the Texans are going to lose. You know, I just – you just, it, it, you just felt nothing. like Kansas City. And I hate to be a, a, you know, a downer on the Texans, but you just felt like – the Chiefs were the better team. Mahomes so when had the, did you when did you feel like they went up twenty four nothing? At I, what point? I never I never felt like the Texans were going to win because they were scoring too early, too often, and they were too excited at the same time. You know, I I think in those situations, you know, even when you score, you have to score with a certain level of confidence and a level of control, and they had too much euphoria. It was too much. Now, if, if you went up 24 like that late in the third, then you can get to like, yeah, we, we're here. They're not coming back. But early in the first quarter on, on some fluke plays and stuff like that, I didn't think it was any reason to be that excited or to have that level of uncontrolled euphoria. And, and I just felt like that Kansas City would come back and win close at the end. Now, I don't think anybody could, could have predicted you know, fifty-one to seven comeback. So I mean, to the way they came back and the and the speed and the ferociousness of the comeback, you know, that was totally unpredictable. So, well, so and, and when you talk about the euphoria, you even saw that coming from Bill O'Brien, the head coach. Yeah, he it, was and, too and, caught up in the moment. Yeah, and the guy at the top has to, and that's and that's one thing 
I think I learned going forward in the playoffs, you know, playing in other playoff games was, you know, when you have a lead like that and when you're doing well, yeah, you're excited, but is I mean, you you're excited, but you understand that is is more to come. You understand that you're playing against another playoff caliber team because they're in the playoffs. So it's only good teams left in the playoffs. Every team has a winning record. They've won 10, 11, 12 games. So you have to have that level of confidence, but at the same time, that level of control to know that, hey, I'm not getting too excited. Let's focus on the next play. And I think that's what happened with the Oiler team in Buffalo. You know, once Bubba McDowell scored the interception for a touchdown beginning of the third quarter, because, you know, you came out there in the third quarter like, all right, we're up 21 to 28 to 3. Don't let them come back. Let's keep playing hard. And so I think when Bubba scored that touchdown in the third quarter, yeah. I think that's when everybody got like, oh, we got it. We got it. And and the worst thing that happened to athletes and business and professional is human nature when you get complacent. And whenever you get complacent and you put your feet up on the table before the job is done, I mean, it's just like the rain clouds going to come out and it, it never works out. And I think when that happened and, and they scored, I'm talking about Buffalo now, 10, and then they kicked the onside kick, and it was 17. Once it was 35-17, and the wind started blowing that 50 miles an hour, it was a whole new ball game at that point. And it was still early in the third quarter. So it was the same thing with the Texans. It was way too much football to play for you to get that excited. When did you When did you think that that game was like – when did you say, uh-oh? I mean, was it after the 17, the 35-17? No, nah, it was probably after the 24 points. When when it got to 35-24, then you know. I mean, you're at that point, you're down, you know, one score and an extra point. So it's, it's a tie ball game technically. So, And I think what happened with that, of course, the defense took the blame and, and the defense coordinator, Coach Eddie, got fired. But really, if you look at it, if you're up 35 to three, you don't need to score. Well, I guess by the time the offense got back on the field, it was 35 17. And what happens with so many offenses, they feel like we have to score more points. No, you have to win by one. Really, you need to ball control, manage the game. And I think in that situation, it wasn't just a, a defensive collapse. I thought it was a team collapse because the special teams made mistakes. And then the offense, if you score 28 points and then you didn't score anymore, you kicked one field goal. So at the same time, you get the offense, if they had to score one more touchdown, a one more field goal, then it wouldn't have gotten to that. And if, or if you were to work the clock a little bit more and, you know, it was a, a whole team that just made mistakes in the momentum. It was one of those things that it's just everything spun in one way. You, you take what, take away one play and it's a different outcome, but that's what makes sports so great. It's the drama and the thrill of not knowing exactly what's going to happen, no matter how a game starts. So I, I talked to a number of the veterans through the years. I mean, I, I was around the team a lot, and uh, and some t people didn't want to talk about it at all. But a lot of people really, I mean, it just stuck with them for the rest of their lives. You went on to have a career in which you went to a Super Bowl. You experienced the the Buffalo Miracle, what was it called? The tennis, what was it called? The Nashville? The yeah, the, the music, the music, music city, city miracle. miracle. Yeah, I, you by you, that know, time, you know what it was called. I know. I blocked I know it you, out. I know you still upset that when you when you know because I'm a I'm a Saints season ticket holder now. So you know, and I still have my list of all the teams that have never won a Super Bowl, and you know, I've never been to a Super Bowl either. And uh, the Titans have a chance to get off that list of never winning the Super Bowl. I mean, I think they have a, a great chance. But well, yeah. I, I know you're a Saints guy. You, I mean, are you do you really still root for Tennessee? I mean, I, you were there for yeah, the. Yeah, I, I do. I do. So I mean, I think um, 
Amy Adams Strunk has done a really good job of trying to connect with the older players, especially the players who are still here in Houston. Have you been and, back? Uh, Have you been to Nashville? Yeah, I went back a uh, year before last day. You know, the NFL, they're, they're, the, play, the, the teams are doing a better job of having, like, reunion weekends when guys come back. So, actually, I went back with all three of my sons. They were able to, you know, meet uh, Mariota and all the different players, and Blaine Bishop was there, uh, you know, a lot of guys. So, it was a lot of fun. Actually, I was talking, you know, Keith Bullock is a big Instagram guy, so he was he was watching the game with Hayward, uh, Hainsworth, when they, when they won and was kind of, you know, running over uh, everybody in that in that playoff game. So it was um, – I was telling him, I was like, man, if the Titans would have come to Houston, I definitely would have went out there and tailgated and had my old Titans jersey on. So I'm definitely still a Titans guy. It's good, it's good that the Saints and the Titans hardly ever play in there in the AFC and NFC. So. I would ask you a lot of questions about the, the Tennessee Titans and then uh, – the Tennessee Oilers and then Tennessee Titans because you went through some of that. and But I don't – I really don't care. I mean, once you guys left, you I don't care. I really. Yeah, I know. I know you. I know I you still bitter. Yeah, I don't. Blame, yeah, blame yes. your mayor. Blame your mayor. I blame you. both of them. They got into a contest, and you know that is what it is. Let's go back, because that now you really opening old wounds. I'm. I don't want to turn this into therapy because I have some things I got to work through as it pertains to that game. But uh, let's go back to the Kansas City Texans game. Now, where are you on going for the field goal up twenty one nothing instead of going for it on? fourth down were you for or against taking that field goal well i don't i think all of the calls that you know i'm listening to talk radio and it's like you know everybody's you know bill o'brien has to go oh he's this he's that is that you know he's not a very personable coach so he's not a guy that really can rally the the fan base but i don't i don't think he's a a great coach I mean, I'm talking about merely for making game day decisions, but I don't think he's horrible either. I think there's enough talent on the roster, and I think he's a good enough coach where the team is going to be a perennial Super Bowl contender. But I think you have to at some point, and you have to say, do we want a perennial Super Bowl contender who can win the division most years, or do we want a Super Bowl championship team and coach? And so I think the Texans are right at that point where you say, are we just kicking the can down the field or can Bill O'Brien get us to win a championship? And so, they, and, that's, and I'm not, I can't really say it's a 50 50. It's right really? there. Really? You really think that? Because here, here's my problem. And, and this is this, this is why my mistake, why, why I have a, a real big problem with him. I don't have a problem with him taking the field goal. I was for him taking the, the, the points. Get the points. Like you said, you have to score a lot of points. Just get points. What you See, what people didn't take into account on that fourth down when he kicked the – see, he called – He initially they were going to go for it on that fourth down. Then they called the timeout and something couldn't go right, and then they changed their minds. I have a, a couple problems. First of all, I understand you not going for it there because if you don't make it, now all of a sudden that Arrowhead Stadium crowd – really is into the game and you give them momentum before they score a point and, and the other part of it is the indecision okay if you if you say you're gonna go for it go for it don't act like well i'm going for it but i'm not going for it, it don't i don't like the wavering and then the fake punt 
to me, was just stupid. I, I, there's no justification at your own 31-yard line in a playoff game. I don't care if you're about 50. You don't do that. That was really, really – the only time you do that is if you're down in the fourth quarter with no timeouts left. Well, I, I disagree with you because when you're in the playoffs, you have to you have to let it roll. You're in a situation where it's a one-on-one play with your guy and their guy, and their guy made a better play than your guy. I mean, if if – if the guy that was running the ball had any type of, you know, maneuverability, had he played flag football as a kid, he hit the circle button, the spin move, something, that's a first down in a so great So what play. you did is you put your team's fate in, and really, and again, it, it, nobody anticipated a 41-7 run. Nobody. But, well, I don't, but what I don't I'm like saying? the – I don't, put it like this. I don't like the design of the play. I'm okay with the fake punt. And on your own 31-yard like line? That That's listen, crazy. Listen, hey, hear me out. I don't – I'm okay with the fake punt. I don't like the design of the play. To me, unless my guy is a Derrick Henry or Deshaun Watson or one of those guys who I feel like can win that matchup more times than not, I don't like the backup personal protector trying to make him to make that play. So I would have had another guy pull around to have a blocker and then, but I'm, I'm okay with that because it's the playoffs. You can't, you can't keep bullets in your gun. You got to shoot them all. But so in that I'm, situation, okay. listen, if you know, you can say if, you know, what should have happened, happened on Monday morning, but if he gets that first down, that could have, if they score on that drive or even they, they move and get a couple more first downs. I mean, that could have been the difference in the ball game. You know, that could have kept the momentum going. So I'm okay with that. I'm not, and I and I'll tell you, and and this was in real time. This wasn't in retrospect because Haywood called me, and and he was so fearful of, of the Kansas City offense. He said that that the Texans had to score. I vehemently, you can't, you can't, you could, I vehemently you just play. You couldn't just play. We try to score and punt. You try to score, and we play defense. They were too good for that. They okay. were scoring. They were scoring like flag football. It but was that like came Canadian later. Football right. league. They were scoring on three plays and four plays. I mean, so you had to try to get an extra possession here. You had to do an onside kick. You had to do a fake. You had to do something to limit them with their possessions and for you to get an extra possession. So if you just play regular football with them, they were going to beat you. So I'm I'm okay with whatever you try. Double reverse sleep at the look at the LSU and Clemson game. Clemson and Dabo Sweeney tried every trick play they could in the first half because they knew they weren't the better team. And so you have to do something to try to equal the deck. You know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So I'm okay with it. Well, we'll get to cheating in just a second. But, but <laughs> and again, here, here's the scenario. So now all of a sudden you're up 24-7 because the Kansas City scored their first touchdown. You punt the ball away, presumably making them go 60 to 80 yards for. Which they will do in four plays. Okay, but it, but but show me. <laughs> hey, I'm not from Missouri, but I, I, you got to show me. And again, that eats up a little bit more time. I mean, again, nobody anticipated. And, and we know that that's a, a just a, an explosive offense. They can do it anytime. They can get it done. That's not the, the issue. But you make them do it. For, you prove to me that you can go uh, the distance like that. And, and again, maybe, I mean, it's all – Moot a moot point because fifty one points. Man, it, I, I've never seen anything like that. I've well, never I mean, seen when, anything when like you're, that. When you're playing an elite offense like that, and and what makes them elite is the play calling. First of all, you got Andy Reid, which I, I got a roof for Andy Reid, and uh, what's what's my offensive coordinator? I forgot. Uh, Eric B. Enemy, yeah, the guy who should be a head coach. I, yeah, I, I should remember that. Yeah, he he didn't get any interviews, but you have those two guys calling plays, and it's not just the play callers. You have high-level, talented, skill position players everywhere 
on the field. So when you're playing a team like that, you almost have to play a perfect game on defense. And what you really need is a ball control, run the football and, offense. And they can. Because the, right. the best way you can beat Kansas City is to have an eight-minute drive where even if you score three, the fact that you had that eight-minute drive where they are sitting on the bench. You know what I'm saying? And that's what Tennessee's right. going to try to do. They're going to take the air out the ball. They want it to be real boring and slow. And my final question about that particular game, real quick, you, you saw – that it was uh, Travis Kelsey that killed him. And they, tra- I mean, they got pass interference penalties and they double teamed him. <laughs> How do you get a PI yeah. and you already double teamed the guy? You got him bracketed. Uh, anything they could have done to, to stop that because you, really uh, Tyreek Hill was out of that game and none of the other receivers. Uh, Hardman had the big return, but outside of that, those receivers weren't just doing work like that. It was Travis Kelsey that killed you. Well, what could you have done? I mean, you're a defensive guy. You played in the league 10 years on defense. What, what could you have done with a guy to control? Travis Kelsey well I think it's Kelsey but it's also Mahomes because what happens with Kelsey so many times those guys are in such connection mentally is that when Mahomes starts to scramble especially on those goal line plays it's a very small window and we used to always say keep your eyes on your fries because you take your eyes off of Kelsey you look at Mahomes he takes two steps left or right and all of a sudden it's a touchdown so when you have a guy that you know is the first option the second option, and the late option. You don't care about the quarterback. You have to keep your eyes on Kelsey 100% of the time. If Mahomes runs and scores, it's somebody else's job to stop him. Your job is to purely keep your eyes on Kelsey. And so many times, yeah, I saw defensive backs who were covering him and double-teaming him, and they just took their eyes off of him. It was like, if you, he is the guy that they're trying to throw the ball to. So, I mean, I thought the scheme was good as a coach. You're like, man, we double-teamed this guy. He, he ain't that good, you know what I'm saying? So, but, yeah, he was that good that day. <laughs> right, right. So let's go to the other the playoff matchups. Now, this is what has transpired now that we're left with four quarterbacks. You essentially have a, a couple quarterbacks that have that are, have mobility, but they're not run first, a sort of super mobile athletic quarterbacks. So we've seen Deshaun Watson's eliminated. We saw Lamar Jackson eliminated. And now it's more traditional football. You're left with two teams that can really run the football in when San Francisco and Tennessee. And then you're left with another team in Green Bay that has Aaron Jones who can run the football. And then you have one wide open team with the Kansas City Chiefs. It seems like the more things change, the more they stay the same. These guys that we expect to step up haven't been able to win uh, and and go to the Super Bowl since what Colin Kaepernick, and that's that's the last guy like that to to go to the Super Bowl. You could talk about Russell Wilson, but I think he again he's a pass first guy. He's I mean, he runs only when absolutely necessary. Uh, what are your thoughts on really defense, running games, sort of uh, controlling the day last weekend? You have to have a defense. Defense travels. It very seldom goes in the slump. I mean, if, if, if you're running fast and playing hard on defense, it's going to keep you in most ball games. And in the offense, as we know, it gets it gets hot. It gets cold. You know, guys drop balls. It's, it's cold weather, stuff like that. But on defense, I mean, playing hard and playing with enthusiasm and running to the football is contagious. And you can do that no matter who you're playing against. And that can keep you in most ball games. And if you have a running game to go with it, I mean, if you look at looked at the Tennessee Titans sideline, when the guy has the, the, the big run, Henry has the big runs. If you look at the defense of the Titans, everybody's just super excited. When you see your running back, 
running over Earl Thomas and knocking him out the way as a defense, you're like, oh, we can't wait to get back out the big hand. So it, it energizes the whole team. We used to play Jerome Bettis in the bus. You know, Greg Williams would always tell us, no matter what happens, don't let his ass get up and do that bus dance. You know what I'm saying? He would jump up and do the little beat. So when he would have a long run, we would sit on him and not let him get up right away. we like, dude, because if he got up, especially in Three Rivers, he starts beating his chest, the defense gets excited, the crowd, nah, we ain't having none of that. You got a 20-yard run, you about to walk your butt back to the huddle and keep everybody calm out here. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so that running the football, when you're just punishing a team like that, it energizes everybody. And so I think, I mean, that's what you're seeing with Tennessee. It's like the offense is feeding into the defense, and then it's like the whole team is just playing at a high level. So, yeah, I still think the future is that highly mobile running quarterback because you the, the rules have changed, so you can't hit the quarterback as much now. So you have to have that guy who's more athletic. Now, you, don't ha- you, you still have to be able to win by throwing the football, but – I think the guys like a Russell Wilson who can run and beat you with his legs, but at the same time, I can run like Mahomes did, but he ran right to the line of scrimmage, dragged his back foot and still threw the football. I mean, when you got that true dual threat guy who can run, but can still look downfield and and complete passes also. I mean, to me, Donovan McNabb was probably one of the best at that. A guy who was mobile, but was always looking to throw, but I will take off for a 30 yard if I need to. So who you got going to the Super Bowl? Uh, is it going to be Tennessee? Can they go into Kansas City and win? Can Derrick Henry keep his his road show rolling? I mean, they beat the number one team, the, the number one seed, the number two seed. Now they uh, are going up against. Well, actually, they're going up against the number two seed. They beat the number uh, number one seed in the uh, in the playoffs, and then you go and and you know, like I said, you beat Baltimore. Oh, can they get it done at, at KC? You know, they definitely can get it done, and and it's and it's hard to root against them because. The first quarter, I think, will tell the tale of that game. If Tennessee has any type of lead or if it's a three-point game either way where they can continue to run the football, as long as they don't fall behind early, they will be okay because they can then control the clock, play at their tempo. You know, Vrabel's going to do the, you know, taking the delay of game, say if they get a – uh, a fourth and three at the 35-yard line. He's going to take three or four delay of games and shorten the clock. You see, right, he right. has all the little sneaky tricks, which I, I love it, man. It's like, I think they're going to take that out of the game next yeah. year that the competition committee has to end that. But at the same time, it gives them the ability to shorten the game. Now, Kansas City, I think they learned from what happened last week because they didn't come out there with a sense of urgency, but they got lit up and they realized like, Hey man, we down 24. The season is about two ends. And so I see Kansas city coming out with that sense of urgency early on. I just don't think defensively the Titans have enough to keep up with all of the offense that Kansas city has. I don't think they're going to put up 51, but I think that they're going to put up enough points. It'll be a closer game, but I still think that they'll get the edge at home against Tennessee, but it won't surprise me at all if the Titans find a way to win that game. And just to clarify, uh, the Titans beat the number three seed in New England. They beat the number one seed in Baltimore. Now they face the number two seed in the AFC. So they would have, if they get to the Super Bowl, they will have beaten the top three seeds to get there. In the NFC, man, you talk about dismantling a team. San Francisco dismantled Minnesota. Now they have Green Bay coming in who in a great game versus Seattle came out on top. Uh, Who do you like do you think Aaron Rodgers can go to California and get it done 
Yeah, I, I think Aaron Rodgers with the running game, they don't have to have a great running game. It just has they just have to stick with the run. I don't care if they run it 20 times for 10 yards. You just have to keep running the football just in order to give your defense rest to, to don't let that that defensive line of San Francisco, which with Bosa and those guys, they can really control the football game and they can put pressure on Aaron Rodgers with just the front four and they can play coverage and they have a good secondary, but I'm going with the veteran guy. I'm going with Aaron Rodgers. I, I think that the moment won't be too big for him. And I think the good thing about green Bay, even if they fall behind, they can fall behind 10 or fall behind 14. They can score points. They can figure out a way to get it done. So as long as the offensive line holds up and as long as they have balance, it doesn't have to be a productive running game, but they can't abandon the running game. I think that they'll have the edge over San Francisco. Garoppolo, I'm still not convinced that he's a championship level quarterback. I'm waiting for the, you know, for the shoe to come off, the Cinderella slipper to fall off, because I, I just feel like I don't know if he can make the plays that he needs to make in a big game consistently. And I think Green Bay has a good enough defense to force him into making mistakes. So you're, you're predicting a repeat of what? Super Bowl? Super Bowl one. One. Yeah, Super Bowl Kansas one. City Max McGee. With Hank Stram yeah. and Vince Lombardi. See, man, you don't know your football. Yeah, I do. Well, I remember the hammer going down. He got knocked out of the game. Fred Hammer Williamson and Max McGee, who was drunk the night before, didn't think he was going to play, had a huge day out of nowhere That's to win. In that game. That's it. And who played <laughs> halftime? What, what band played halftime of that game? Man, Grambling. Who are you talking about? Oh, I was swag, there. Swag. Yeah, right. Were you there? No, you weren't. I was, I was there. I was there. What are you talking about? No, I mean, you were somewhere the, on the, the West math. Bank. Do the math. Do the math. Man, you were on the West Bank somewhere with crawfish. <laughs> <laughs> so, let me ask you about, speaking of crawfish, LSU national champs, can you think, I mean, the resume of who they beat this season, I mean, Ooh, they beat man. like five top ten teams to win the championship. Is this the best team ever in college football? Yeah, I mean, you you when you start talking about the best teams the best teams ever in college football. I'm I'm trying to think maybe some of those Miami teams when they had Michael Irvin and just all of those guys uh, who went in the first round who were just all great players. I think you'd have to go back to one of those Miami teams where they just ran through the country and dominated Notre Dame and beat up on Penn State. And But, yeah, I mean, the things that they did with Joe Burrow, and, and I went to that game, my dad and my son and I. And, and, oh, and you had the National never, Championship game? Yeah, and I just felt like the Kansas City and Texans game. I mean, I the, you know I was sitting in the LSU section. I had nosebleed. I had not been that high up in the Superdome since probably I was in the fifth grade. I was like, <laughs> oh my, we was row thirty six. I was like, my God, like I didn't even know. <laughs> so I felt like a mountain goat, man. We just kept climbing and climbing, but it was still which which this is a little off topic. But my dad grew up, and when I grew up, my dad worked in the Superdome. He was a event coordinator. Right. So, he so started you, working you there. Pl played in the Superdome probably all the time, huh? I played in there in high school and also in Well, I mean, I'm just talking about as a kid running around. Wait, yeah, wait. so I, I, learned, I learned how to drive. You ever been to Superdome? They used to have these psychedelic carpets on the ramp. So it was all carpet. So I learned how to drive driving the go-kart well i call them go-karts they were actually golf carts but my dad would always have to drive around because he was an event coordinator so he had to check on events he was he started working there before the superdome was built so he was there at the very beginning worked there like 25 years so i learned how to drive going up and down those ramps in the superdome so i knew the superdome inside and out and i used to go up there and sit at the top and all that but i hadn't been up i've been i hadn't been up that high since then but 
at that game, I never worried that LSU was going to lose that game. You you just knew they were the better team. And, and Clemson, I, I give them credit, man. They won 29 straight games. They had nothing to be ashamed of. They tried the double reverse pass. They tried the, the shuffle pass. They tried to flee. I mean, they, they, they shot all of the bullets. But you just knew uh, LSU just had too much talent on offense and defense and in too many ways to to make things happen, and it was it was just a story big ending to a great season for Coach O, you know, Coach Ogeron and LSU and, and the state of Louisiana. You know, we still had that bitter taste in our mouth from the Saints, so uh, I think the state needed that. And and per capita, per capita, Louisiana has the most players in the NFL. I'm gonna let you know the boot. Versus the Texas, state of Texas, not even a comparison, buddy. Not even a comparison. Wait a minute. The guy that runs your team in New Orleans is a Texan. He went to, to uh, high you school. Stretching. Uh, uh, stretching. Austin. You Drew Brees went to Austin Westlake. <laughs> <laughs> the, the savior of the city is from Texas. What are you talking I'm about? I'm talking about the guys per capita, <laughs> the size of Louisiana, the number of players that they put in the NFL. In Texas, Y'all stole about a good 25 players over the last years because of Katrina and people coming oh, here, but they still from the boot. No, they went back home. The you boot, know baby. all those New Orleans it. folks went back home. Come on. Let me ask you this. Um, uh, real quick about Odell Beckham. I mean, how crazy was that? I mean, he. I mean, hint, hint, he's going to get the Lamont Award, but what's your take on uh, Odell Beckham doing what he did? I mean, the guy is a talented player on the field, but man, he just he needs he needs like a a, a twenty four hour person just to hang out <laughs> with him. He needs an angel, but you know you have the little angel on your shoulder. He needs a real life angel, like standing right next to him. <laughs> so if people he don't needs, know, he but... needs a twenty four hour life skills guy. Hey, 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 Odell, that's not a good idea. You know what I'm saying? Because obviously the friends that he's hanging with, that he's that he's that he's hanging out with, are, are not keeping him to make smart decisions. It's just some things we shouldn't have to tell you not to do. <laughs> right. Know? I mean, because, and just for those who don't know, Odell was seen on camera, on the field, handing out uh, $100 bills, you know, to, to the players. And we'll get into that a little bit later well, on. Well, maybe, I mean, the, the thing that I would say, hey, man, I lost the bet with those guys. I, you know, I, I bet them that they couldn't. I mean, but why? They'll, they'll come just, up with a story. Yeah. Just and, do and it in the locker room. So, I'm, and I'm not saying he shouldn't give them the money. I think it's great. You know, hey, you, you're an NFL player. These guys are about to make it to the NFL. You get them the, the, the headphones and all of that. You, you love your school and, and you appreciate it. And, I'm 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 all about college kids getting paid, but I'm not about you giving the money on the sideline. But from a recruiter <laughs> standpoint, if I'm a college kid, I'm like, yep. and, and, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to LSU. <laughs> oh, they're gonna give me some cash. Yes, yes sir. So, so finally, I want to ask you. You uh, you're not a season ticket holder for the Astros, but you go all of the time. What are yeah, your thoughts on I the do. Astros? Well, I, first of all, I'm a Yankees fan, so. But I I cheer for the Astros on a regular basis. I mean, I was there when they were losing the the hundred games a year. I was in my baseball team, and my kids were young. I would take them. Ah, oh, Coach Eddie, they're gonna lose again. I mean, let's go watch it. We can get something out of this. We could sit where we wanted to. So I was through all of that. You know, Altuve getting called up, the hype of Springer getting called up. So I re I really saw that team get built from you know. With Bo Porter, we're going to take some losses and build it to, you know, winning the World Series. And I went to all of the World Series games, the playoff games, and all that. So I think it's a really, it's kind of a disappointment as a as an Astros fan, um, because you want 
the guys to win on the field. And 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 trust me, it's kind of like the I'm not gonna I, I throw it out there. It's kind of like Lance Armstrong. No matter how many drugs he took, he still had to go out there and train hard and compete and win. So with the Astros, if they were cheating, you know, and it seems like they were, they still had to go out there and square up the baseball and hit it. I can tell you, hey, the next pitch is going to be a 98-mile-per-hour fastball on the inside. Trust me, 99% of the people will still strike out. So you still have to give them credit for performing in a clutch situation. But I think more than the ability to hit the ball, I think what it does is give you a level of confidence. And baseball is such a game of confidence. And so if you go up there and you're a little bit questionable and shaky because this pitcher, you know, you're one for 15 against them, but they tell you, all right, if I hit that garbage can one time, it's a fastball. Well, it gives you that psychological confidence to perform. And I think that's just as big as actually knowing what happened. And so, you know, I think it is a, a big deal. It's a, it's a, it's a total, um, you know, horrible mark for the game of baseball to think that, the, the 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 sign stealing is part of the game, but when it goes to the high tech level and it goes to, you know, where the manager knew about it and he didn't say, hey, guys, we're not about that, you know, because if you either coaching it or letting it happen. So the manager has to take the blame. So and, and even if he didn't put it together, if you knew it was going on and you heard those garbage cans getting hit, if that's what they were doing, there's no way you could not. And so at that point, everybody has to take blame. And, and it's just it's just a bad Thing for the game because you want to see the best players compete and win and, and the bottom line is they had a really good team and I felt like they probably could have won without having to do that you know well I spent the first half of this podcast defending create I am the defense lawyer for the Astros so when the when you go back and listen to the first part of this one and I will defend the Astros not that they weren't not wrong but I want to put this thing in some sort of perspective would you have fired Hinch and and Jeff Luno Luno yes I would have, I would have fired them just at the, the when I did the press conference, I would have did I would have done just what he did because you have to get past the story. And I don't think Hinch and Lewinow are that good of a manager and GM that I'm going to put them on suspension for a whole year and let somebody else manage and GM. And then when they come back next year, instead of the story getting behind us, the story is, hey, you've been suspended for a year. And so now what? What if well, you, you but, know, but so I'm surprised by that because you went through that with your New Orleans Saints with Sean Payton being suspended for a year and then he had to come back and now again that was the story again somebody had to coach the team for that year I'm surprised that's your take on it because had Sean Payton been let go by New Orleans I don't you wouldn't have had this uh, this run even though you didn't get to the Super Bowl again yeah, I mean, Sean Payton is a big part but I think I think that's different because what happened in New Orleans is still subjective. I mean, it, it, you know, that's, that wasn't cheating. That was guys playing competitive and going above and beyond. And, and I don't think it was a matter of we were out there trying to hurt someone. You were out there trying to play hard to the whistle and knock the guy out the game. And I can guarantee you every little league, high school and college coach, hey, man, let's go out there and knock this guy out the game. But that doesn't mean you're trying to tear his ACL. You're trying to physically make him not want to play anymore. And so that was totally different in my opinion. This is obvious. You were cheating. And so you cannot well, cheat when yeah. it comes to the integrity of the game. That's cheating. Okay. But what, <laughs> I, I want you, again, what, what I want you to do 
is go back and listen to the first part of this, and uh, and you'll see some. Well, of, you'll hear some of my. Defense. I don't care. I'm gonna go back and listen to it. And then I'm going to call you. <laughs> but in the end of the day, it's no defense for what the Astros did. Period. Point blank. The end. Granted. Well, hey, how can folks get you on social media? Uh, E-Rob50, E-R-O-B-5-0 on Instagram and Twitter. Hey, man, well, you had the most fascinating sports life of anybody I know. You get to go to all of the events, and uh, and that's a wonderful thing. But, hey, man, I certainly appreciate you. We'll get catch up with you for a few minutes next week, right? Okay, I'll be here. Absolutely. We have, uh, what it be, Super Bowl? What is this, 51? I don't know what the number is. Yeah, hey, Roman numerals cross me up. So if they, if they just put a, <laughs> you know, just give me the numbers by now. But, you know, after 15 or after 20, you know, let's let's go ahead and go with, with you know. Well, that, you know, that's, hey, when your home team hasn't been in one, I know it's hard to keep up, man. I know. <laughs> hey, man, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks to my man, E-Rob. Certainly appreciate it. And uh, tough to have those old discussions about the Houston Oilers. But to cheer up, it's now time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preserver and a school of piranhas surrounding you. You big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the big dummy of the episode. And sometimes you have to work hard and sometimes you have to work smart and sometimes things just fall in your lap. And this time out, that's exactly what happened with our Lamont Award recipient who is absolutely a big dummy. I'm talking about none other than Odell Beckham Jr. who was in attendance and by now you've seen him. He's all over the place because that's exactly what he wants. But what he did after the championship game for his alma mater, the LSU Tigers winning the national championship, he's celebrating. He's up with the band. He's all over the place. He's in the locker room petting cops on the ass. He's handing out money. This was crazy. He handed out cash money surrounded by cameras. Cash money to these players to several players and obviously you guys know that is an absolute no-no it could cost guys eligibility it could cost the school scholarships or penalties of some sorts banned from postseason it could, i mean it won't come to that i don't think it will come to that and i think that uh i just think that it can be resolved but it was such a stupid stupid thing to do to just handshake and give guys cash money in front and then lsu at first says, oh no that was play money come on man come on don't don't play with me don't don't no no i know that there's been political corruption in louisiana and i know people do all sorts of things no that doesn't fly come on you can leave that at sabine river <laughs> i saw that. that was cash money and so eventually uh, joe burrow and a number of others uh, confirmed that in fact it was cash money and now the institution is trying to resolve the issue and give the money back whatever whatever and the the whole thing about it is odell beckham really wanted to make it about him because i guarantee you there were probably 150 200 former lsu players at the game i don't remember seeing any of them offhand i don't you know and if they were they certainly weren't handing out cash in front of the cameras then he goes into the locker room and he pats a police officer a real police officer not security a real new orleans police officer on the butt because he was reprimanding a kid for smoking in the Superdome, which is against the law. So, I mean, this was caught on camera, but it was ridiculous. 
and now he faces simple battery charges. Again, these this is nothing more than a hassle. He'll have to work through. He'll have to go to court, and uh, he'll sign a few autographs, maybe he'll sign a check or two, and he'll be done with it. But it, he, it's his own fault. Now, is it in the grand scheme of things? Is it a big deal? And I understand this. I don't. I don't have a problem. I mean, maybe I should, but I don't really have a problem with guys getting a few extra dollars. I've been to the Final Four. And I, you know, and when you go to that and you realize all of the big money in that building, I mean, huge, huge dollars. And yes, they have a couple of uh, student sections, but millionaires, I mean, really, really rich. The one percenters are in that building. And you realize these kids are just leave with some shoes, a few t-shirts, a bag or two. And that's about it. So I, I don't have any problem with guys getting money. If you want to get money, you can go there on a Wednesday when nobody's around and, and just say, have them line up and just pass out $100 bills. Whatever it is you want to do. And, and again, morally, I don't have a problem with that. The issue is, will you get the NCAA revved up and get them all up in LSU's business at a time in which they don't need it? You got guys going pro. You have coaches taking jobs. I mean, the, once you win a national championship, your program is in a huge transition, and that's what's happening now. The last thing you need after building, you know, having the ability to build on that national championship is to be hit with some dumb sanction because this dumbass needs to shine in the offseason. Hey, man, go back to Cleveland. Go, you and Baker Mayfield go do something. Don't do this and don't jeopardize the eligibility of some of these guys and don't jeopardize maybe possible sanctions and, and putting your, your uh, university under the microscope of the NCAA. Don't do that. And don't pack cops on the ass. I mean, well, you ain't that free. <laughs> you, I don't care how rich you are. You can't. You just, you're not going to get away with that, especially when you made a mockery and a spectacle of that officer. You knew NOPD was going to come for you, and in fact, they did. And for all of those reasons, making it about you and not about the team and not about your university, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy, come on, man, please, man, <laughs> don't, I mean, I, and I, I've been talking to you up. I said, hey, man, this guy really had the power to ruin the situation in Cleveland. He played good cop all year long. He didn't say too much, even though they were losing and he wasn't getting his numbers. He didn't trip. And, and I gave him all the credit in the world. Now you want to go mess up things and, and get your shine on the national championship? No, man, let these kids have it. It's their turn. They did this. You don't. You didn't do this. Go back to your mediocre Cleveland Browns team or do whatever it is you want to do in the NFL. But leave you, the, these guys alone. But anyway, with that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, hey, I want to thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in. I want to remind you, you can call 832-941-6614 hours a day. Mail me music at waysworthproductions.com if you want your music heard on the podcast. And remember, go to waysworthproductions.com and, of course, on social media at Wade's Word and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. Thank you so much. I know I made a few errors along the way. You can correct me if, uh, if you caught something that I said incorrect. I know Cliff Branch did not make the Hall of Fame. I know that was one of them. Uh, besides that, I know I had a few uh, sort of misunderstandings in there, I can imagine. If so, just correct me on those. No problem. No harm, no foul. And as always, have a great day.